0: Books with Aaron and Polly and their amazing friends. I'm Aaron.
1: I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim.
0: Well, howdy, howdy, howdy!
1: Very exciting. (laughs) What's (laughs) up, (laughs) boys?
0: I'm just overwhelmed by the excitement. So
2: much
1: I can't speak. Wow. Uh, Yeah, you sound very excited, Paul. I am. I am very excited. I am pumped because guess what? What, Paul? Someone stole my, my checking account number. Ooh, yeah, How did that just—I don't know. I actually just discovered it before the podcast. I noticed all these erroneous charges Aww. on my credit card, and and I, I need to stop giving my checking account number to all those porn sites because uh, <laughs> apparently they use them without your permission.
2: That is—that's just, just not right.
0: The it,
2: things it is. I bought with Paul's card.
0: Yeah, I, you yeah. literally found that out like just before you you came on today.
1: Literally, but the uh, the place to call to get it, the place who build all those charges doesn't open till 9 a.m. Central Time. So I will be talking to them after the podcast.
2: Make sure you talk to your bank too. I mean, I had this happen to me once about five six years ago, and I discovered just how good some banks are about this, and just how bad some are. Yeah, you know, some banks have a uh, an insurance where you can get all your money back within three days. The bank I used at the time, which I don't use anymore because of this, it's a two-month process to get your money back.
3: Wow! You know, in completely unrelated news, I got a new plasma TV and an Xbox 360. <laughs> <laughs> completely unrelated. Wow! No wonder.
1: No, um, but it's just uh, it, it's odd because I don't give my checking account number for anything. You know, I mean, well, I mean, I you know for bills, right? But uh, you know, never for purchases. Uh, you know, I, 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 even if I were to purchase porn on the internet, which I don't, of course. I mean, who does that? Yeah, because he, he torrents it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I wouldn't you know, if I saw a, a, a site looking for my routing number and checking account number, psh, screw that. I well, don't need
0: the porn that bad. What I do is I just give out your checking account and routing number <laughs> when I'm buying stuff online.
1: <laughs> It's the That's safer way to go. All. It
0: really is. Yeah. It's, it's
1: kind of a best practice. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm money bags. It's like Paul's got the money in his account. Well, I figure, you know, he, he's he's
0: like Tony Stark wealthy because you know he spends fifty dollars a week on comics. So That's you right. know, brother's got assets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had it happen to me be before, so it's safer to use yours. Exactly. <laughs>
3: all the money from his gold based technology and
0: I'm also giving it out to our listeners so you know if you need Paul's checking account information just you know send me a Twitter and I'll at reply you
1: you know
3: just just put it on Twitter just go put it on make it easy Hey, no, we should have a contest for it. What would you buy with Paul's money in 30 words or
0: less? I like it, and then we'll award them with Paul's checking account information. There you go. Perfect. You go. Perfect. I like it. Well, uh, with with Paul's checking account information, uh, I bought my ticket to go see uh, The Last Exorcism yesterday.
1: Ah, that's what that one was. That's yeah. what that charge was. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You know, so you know, I bought my ticket and I bought my my my, my Diet Coke and my popcorn. And you know, thanks, Paul.
1: Well, I, I do want to note that the company that's charging all this stuff is Central, and everyone on this podcast,
3: yeah. other than me, <laughs> is Central.
0: <Huh. laughs> yeah, hmm. huh. okay, so strange coincidence.
3: So is a third of the nation, Paul. Mm, I don't trust them either. <laughs>
0: well, the, the central dime zone does, you know, have a higher level of uh of thieves and con men than uh, anywhere else in the nation. That's 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 a fact. It's from the census.
3: <laughs> the question was that on the census, are you a thief? Yes.
0: <laughs> are you a con man? Yes. Would you like Paul's checking account information? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: Underlined that too. Fill in the
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, I saw the Last Exorcism, and I, that movie was not what I was expecting. I, I was I was uh, I was rather surprised by it. First, I wasn't expecting it to be PG thirteen. You know, when I when I see you know Exorcism in the title, I'm expecting a, a pretty graphic R. But uh, so I was I was a little concerned when I when I sat down in the theater thinking, ugh, you know, it's not going to be. Uh, the movie I'm hoping for it to be because I really likes me some devil movies. And Tim, I know you're not a fan of the horror, but uh, I loves me some devil movies. Because, you know, that stuff's really scary because it could
2: happen. It not only could, I'm in the town where it did happen. The original Exorcist. That's right.
0: That's right. The last Exorcism is shot documentary style. It's got the whole handy cam kind of thing. I was not expecting to like... The character they spend a lot of time with the Exorcist in the movie um, he is someone who has his uh, has lost his faith and he's trying to demonstrate he's doing this documentary to demonstrate you know how uh, fake exorcisms are and of course that's when things go awry <laughs> um, it was really good it is up until the end of the movie it's not uh, a horrible horror movie in the strictest sense of the word it is very much a uh, almost kind of a psychological kind of thing as opposed to being a supernatural horror and i won't ruin the movie for it, for anybody but i will say that the last five ten minutes of the movie are rather intense and it's jarringly so because the rest of the movie has been Suspenseful, you know, and you're kind of on the edge wondering what what's going on, but the last you know five ten minutes of the movie are very intense, so much so that after the last scene went up on the on the screen, this woman just begins sobbing in the theater and rushes out of the out of the theater. I mean, just hands over her face, just – I mean, just so upset, which, of course, made my movie-going experience even better. (laughs) (laughs) But I really liked it. I mean, I'm not sure that it bears a second viewing. I'm I'm kind of inwardly digesting the movie, but it it surprised me with the kind of movie it was, and I really, really kind of dug it.
1: Are you sure that she wasn't crying because of the text message from her boyfriend dumping her?
0: I don't know. It was timed really well with the last scene, except maybe her boyfriend was sitting right next to her and he hit send. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, are you dumping your strange on the side again?
1: I am. I am. Because she used my checking account number.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, you know, Paul's not sure who's using his checking account number, so he's just cutting away the people that he thinks might. You know, Mom? Fuck you. (laughs) That's why Jonathan's not on today. That's right.
3: Yep. (laughs) One at a time. And let's be honest, if somebody had to pick somebody in this cast to be using someone else's credit card, we'd all pick Jonathan. Well, yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) You know what's funny? He is one shifty honky mofo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, what's funny is he reads two DC books every month, right? The Flash and Green Arrow. Right. And he is never on to talk about Green Arrow. He yeah. always has to talk about it like a week late to say, yeah, I liked it. And on that note, Green Arrow number three came out this week. Wahoo! Exciting stuff. Yeah, You can tell when Green Arrow comes out because Jonathan's not on the podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if only Green Arrow could come out more often. Exactly. <laughs> Weekly.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, if this could be their new weekly series, you know, for 2011, awesome. <laughs> you know, I know Jonathan listens as
2: soon as this drops, so I just imagine him in his, you know, in his car at home right now listening to the iPod going, you bastards!
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he is cussing his radio out right now, or his computer out right now. Turning, opening
0: up the fir- to the first page of this book, I immediately thought of Tim, because, uh... Tim didn't like some of the uh, the coloring and the, the the artwork in the last issue. He thought it all kind of looked the same. Am I remembering that correctly, Tim?
3: I don't. I think that was Paul. That I think like that me. was me,
0: actually. Oh, was that you, Paul? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Paul. So I was thinking of Paul, <laughs> but calling him Tim <laughs> in my brain. That's, um, huge. That's common. The, the first thing I thought of was how different this first page looked from everything in the last issue you know you you do have a, a lot of different uh you know color and um i think that that nice middle panel where you know it's it's showing where green arrow gets shot in the head it pops nicely on the page um paul were you were you
1: happier with the artwork this time or um i was a little happier with the art i mean it does seem to be getting better mm-hmm. i i still venture to say it's not the best looking book i read every week yeah i would agree um you know it's probably in the bottom half uh, as far as art is concerned and i i, I still prefer i don't know there it, it, it's still i still prefer better art mm-hmm. on the title but um you know it didn't take away from my enjoyment of it well uh what did we think of the book this week
3: i thought it was really good i i, I loved the the reveal of uh of the galahad character mhm i thought that was awesome When when because we revealed the guy in the armor that we saw last week walking or last month walking through the forest um, is a character that's called Galahad who thinks he's a knight. And I thought that was just awesome. Mm -hmm. This is some some guy from the from the mental institution comes in and is like, yeah, I'm that guy. Yeah. (laughs) From the legend. Yep. Yeah. That's me. That's cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I like that. Um, it, I was a little confused by the white light thing, but maybe that's because I'm not reading any of those books that have to do with White Lanterns. But...
0: I, I, I was confused by it as well. Okay.
3: Yeah. Um, and what's
1: sad is I was looking at the cover for Brightest Day, and I don't know if it was this week or next week's issue, um, involves, it, it shows Green Arrow on the cover in the forest. So it's like, Do I need to read Brightest Day to understand what's going on in Green Arrow? Don't fall for it, Paul. I know. I I, I stopped reading it a long time ago. Just flip through it in the shop. You'll get everything you need.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I need you to have money in your account so I can use it for other things.
0: Exactly. (laughs) You can't waste it
1: on Brightest Day.
0: Paul, we need you to be be a little bit more fiscally responsible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll see what I can do.
0: Okay. (laughs) <laughs> you know, okay, so help me out here. In this book, we see a scene back when uh, Oliver Queen was just a, a a wee slip of a lad, and his mother takes him to the office and you know, we 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 see his mom, we see his dad, we see his dad's girlfriend, etc. And then we see a we see a scene where his mom or a woman who it was married to, to Oliver's mother or married to Oliver's father. Oliver, oh, that, that would have been cool. <laughs> um, that would know, almost got more interesting. Where she was working in Russia in a mine, and apparently he liberates her from the mine. So, are these two women the same woman?
3: I don't think so. I got the feeling because in the, in the scene with with Oliver and his mom and his dad, uh-huh. his dad mentions that he was he's going to Asia for something, ah, and good then you point. see. And then you see that well, Asia, Siberia. I yeah. guess that's what they're trying to do there. Yeah. So, you know, I think the the reveal is that the the person running Queen Industries isn't really Oliver's mother. It was somebody that his dad had a tryst with, and it impacted her life or something. Right. That's kind of what I'm getting now.
0: Well, and I, that makes sense because I, I wasn't making the connection that about the the trip to Asia. You know, in the 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 you know, Oliver as a child flashback. Um, so th- that is a really good point. Um, I well, wish I have they to admit,
1: tra- I had that confusion too.
0: Well, I wish that the they hair. had drawn one of them differently because, you know, you've got blonde, attractive woman, blonde, attractive woman. Come on, do me a favor here and, you know, make some differences. Why did, why did all these women need to look the same?
3: Yeah, it would have been nice if they, if they were drawn a, you know, differently. Yeah.
0: So I, I was having a struggle with that. And what was really bugging me is that, you know, they were saying 30 years ago. And I'm like, wait, are you saying that you know Oliver is less than thirty years old because you know he's kind of an old, he is referred to as an older man in the DC universe, and he refers to himself as old man. So I was I was getting really concerned there that he, they're telling me that he was in his twenties. But I, I think you're right. I think this. I think these these are two different women. They just didn't do a very good job of you know correcting that. You know, but when they're both referred to as Mrs. Queen, <laughs> you know, and they're both blonde and they're both pretty, and really that's the only that's the only discerning characteristics about them visually, it makes it really hard to figure out who the hell these people are
1: I, I i agree I
0: think that is where the art really screws up in this book. You know we shouldn't have to be asking the question, is are these two people the same people
3: well, i mean, and I don't have the 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 history with this character. Maybe in the continuity we, you know, there's a there was an ending to to Oliver's mother's story. I and, honestly, know, maybe-
0: I don't think I've ever read a as many Green Arrow books as I've read. I don't think I've ever read a book where he talks about his mom.
1: Yeah, me either.
0: I mean, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I can't recall. I mean, and I've read a whole ass ton of Green Arrow books, and I I can't recall a storyline where we even discussed his mom. Yeah, I can't either. I mean, and I've read. I have a huge run of
2: the old Green Arrow back when uh, Black Canary didn't have her powers, right? And the two of them were just living. I, I don't remember them ever bringing up his mom. I mean, they kept going back to his past, but that was that was a part they never went to.
0: Yeah, that has been a big question for me. So I, you know, I think this is new. I think the the backstory concerning his mom and perhaps stepmom are new elements to the story.
1: And I have a, another question pertaining to the art. Yeah. Which is on that last page, Green Arrow's looking at his shadow, and the shadow's, like, smiling back at him. Yeah. Do you think that's metaphorical, or do you think that's actually going to happen? I
0: think that's actually going to happen.
1: Ah. I was wondering that.
0: I think it's actually going to happen, and I have this strange feeling that maybe that's Eclipso. Hmm. You know, I just – I I don't know. I've just kind of got this – you know, it says Stranger from the Stars next issue. And you know, I'm just like, meh. I don't know. It has the look of a story I'm not going to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I seriously, I I don't want to spend a whole lot of time having these scenes where Ollie's fighting himself. I I just I want that to be an inner dialogue that happens on a panel or two, and I want to move along.
3: See, I thought it was okay through this issue, but yeah, I don't want to see another issue of him trying to put the Chicken lock on his yeah. shadow self. Yeah, no.
0: I like this direction for Green Arrow, but I need I need to see some I need to see some forward movement. I don't want to spend you know, it was fine. This is the third issue. This was the appropriate issue for this for this place to happen. But I want to move forward and let's do some stuff. I don't want I don't want to be as introspective on in issue four. And I hate those stories where they're where they're fighting themselves. I always have. So there you go. Yeah.
1: But that wasn't the only brightest day book that came out this week. Well, and, and
0: I'm going to stop you before you make that transition, Paul. I'm sorry. Damn it, Aaron. I know,
1: I'm sorry. But I'm it's sorry. It's not happening again.
0: Nope. nope. Um, we didn't mention the cover, but holy crap, that cover is beautiful.
1: It is. And I like the attention to detail, like you can see the little arrows hidden in his sleeve in his gloves. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. I like that.
0: The scars, I mean the the, you know, the wounds on him and and everything is just Wow, this cover is awesome.
3: And the covers by M- Maro Cascioli.
0: Yeah.
1: Cascioli. He's the guy who started um Justice League Cry for Justice, I think. Right.
0: And did all the did did all that artwork that we enjoyed so much. Yeah, until they changed the artist. Yeah. And, and the story started to suck. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I Green Arrow I, I, I think it didn't wow me. But uh yeah, you know, it was it was good. It was good. I enjoyed the book. I don't regret purchasing it. I think it was a, a a a quality book for 2.99. Um I'm hoping that issue 4 is a little more exciting. But I will say that issue 4 the the solicits for it states that we're going to get the Martian Manhunter in that book.
1: But he's not really a stranger from the stars.
0: Yeah, I think he's a guest star as opposed to a villain.
1: Well, I'm not transitioning again. It's on you this time. (laughs) It's on
0: me this time. (laughs) Don't you hate it when a transition is lost? I do hate it when a transition is lost. Almost like Um, a generation that's lost. A Justice League generation lost.
1: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That hurt.
0: Okay, so uh, (laughs) Justice League generation lost number eight. This is the biweekly series from DC Comics. It has been a little hit and miss. We had a nice run there of several good books back back together. We had one that we were kind of meh last time.
2: This one was back on. I mean, last week it was or two weeks ago. I think part of the big meh was that they were all in a costume that looked exactly alike, and there were no personalities. This issue, though, even when they're still in those costumes, I can tell who's who. And I liked how they intentionally drew in Fire's hair sticking out the back of it. Yeah. So you always knew which one was her. And they tried to keep the uh, Skeets, who's disguised as a little missile, uh-huh. over Booster's shoulder, so you can tell him. And you actually get to see them use their powers again, so you can easily tell who's who. And you know they they finished up that part of the story. I didn't like that whole raid story because it seems pointless. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't get anything out of it. It seemed like it was just there for filler.
0: You know, it seemed a lot to me like a like a role playing game where the players have constructed their big plan and then, you know, the the game master blocked them. <laughs> you know, yeah, they did their big plan and meh, nothing came of it. Um I, that's what it felt like to me, so it felt like a bunch of wasted time. Don't get yeah, me I wrong, am. I enjoyed the book, but the their little excursion seemed like a huge waste of time. Yeah, that's my big complaint too. I also am tired of Ice being
2: a whiny little bitch. I am too. I love the character. This isn't – I don't care for this portrayal of her at the moment.
0: You know Uh, who I loved in the book though, Wayne? Was fire. I thought fire was great in the book and I love the relationship that's uh, blooming between her and uh, uh, the Red Rocket guy. Yeah, I'm also liking Booster stepping
2: up and actually being the team leader here. Yeah. You know, he's the de facto leader. No one else wanted it, so he stepped into that role and everyone is actually listening to him and respecting him.
0: Well, and I love when Captain Adam says, "Hey, a little respect. He took one for the team today." You know? Yeah. I I just the fact that Captain Adam is verbalizing that respect, I thought was was uh, nicely done. Yep, and they did yet another cliffhanger ending
2: on us. Yeah. The uh I have to say, Winnick is a bastard for his cliffhanger ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we finally get to see them back face to face with Max Lord. So yeah, I am. I was really happy with this issue after last issue. The uh, the whole excursion to uh, uh, to checkmate I think was a waste of time and may have been in there just to extend the story. And I hope that's not the case.
0: I but. F- I felt like it was. I th- I feel like the only point it served was to more fully integrate red rocket into the team um, and to you know show the the uh, developing relationship between fire and red rocket yeah I'm looking forward to the next issue same here. how many issues is this because
2: I'm not 26. Sure. 20 26 It really is 26 yeah I always thought Paul was
0: joking every time he said that yeah. no. <laughs> if only if only wow. yeah no it's red a
3: full- rocket. Thank you. You know,
0: with, with John being gone, you know, I wasn't sure that we were going to get that today. Hey, we
3: got to we got to cover it up.
0: But thank you, Tim. <laughs> but yeah, I I like Generation Lost this week. Um, uh, looking forward to the uh, next issue in two weeks. Yep, same here. Now, um, another book in the uh, DC publishing milieu is Time Master's Vanishing Point: The Search for the Batman. By Daniel uh, Jurgens and, or sorry, Jurgens and Norn Ratmund. I wasn't sold on the first issue, and I think we all kind of had some some concerns about it. Myself and Wayne read this one. Paul having dropped off,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was much better than the first issue. Mm-hmm. They
2: might as well take the search for Batman off the the cover because this has nothing to do with the search for Batman. I agree. I enjoy the booster. Interplay. I like seeing the character. I like how he writes Booster. Yeah, the other heroes dismissing him got annoying in the first issue, but I love the inner dialogue we have within his head as he's dealing with it. I love the uh, the backstory with Supernova and uh, his sister as well. Mm-hmm. The Rip story I just don't care about.
0: Yeah. Well, you know I don't care about the the grown up Rip story. I love. The flashes back with Rip as a child and Booster, you know, educating him. You know, yeah. I, I I'd buy a whole book of those. <laughs> you <laughs> know, I, I love that. Um, I am not caring for absolutely the Rip Hunter storyline, which makes me sad because I love the character, but I don't care for the for the storyline. Even though we're getting to see, you know, uh, Claw in that, you know, because that's a character you don't get to see very often. Um, I really dis- dislike the manner in which Dan Jurgens is drawing Despero. Despero looks like just a skinny little nerdy guy with a big fin head, and doesn't look you know scary or threatening at all. Um, I, I just I do not care for it. Whereas you know other artists have rendered him in a very terrifying, uh, uh, strong sort of manner.
2: I, yeah. O- overall, I would say this miniseries is just a great big mess. Yeah. And yeah. it had so much potential, and I'm not seeing any of
0: the potential at all. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh, I it, it makes me sad because this really ought to be the ongoing Booster Gold series. They could they sh- could and should have done this in, in the pages of Booster Gold and kept Dan Jurgens on over there as opposed to losing me as a
2: reader on Booster Gold. Yeah, because I dropped Booster as well. I mean I'm getting my Booster Fix in Generation Lost, and it's a much better Booster story.
0: Yeah. So you know, one of the things that I find interesting about this book is we have a very similar book over in the Marvel Universe that we're going to talk about in just a little bit, uh, Avengers. Because Avengers is bringing back a lot of you know historic types of characters that don't currently have their own books, and which is what we're seeing here in Time Masters. It's almost like Time Masters is a reason – to bring forward some older characters so that they can protect their copyrights and trademarks.
2: I was about to say they might as well subtitle this The Quest for Copyright Continuation. <laughs> exactly. Dude, it's it, the same thing over in Marvel. Every yeah. few years you see 2099 stuff pulled out, thrown in one book, and then yeah. not seen again. That's right. And I think it's the same thing with these characters. They they need a book to showcase their old characters so someone else can't steal them. Yeah. They don't seem to really care about the old characters in this book. I mean there's no real focus on them other than hey they're here. Right. So I mean that's that's my impression of it. I mean I could be wrong, but yeah, I charge them
0: with just trying to keep their characters. I think that I think that's exactly the the, the purpose that this is serving. So I got a question for you, Wayne. Are you in for issue three? I am
2: really on the fence. I yeah. I'm completely disappointed with the book. This issue was better than the first one, so I'm wondering if the third one will get maybe reached the good point. But I'll flip through it in the store and the side at that you know at that moment when i'm standing there because really on the fence
0: i am too i you know um i did enjoy this more than i enjoyed the first one i'm still very annoyed with the issues between superman and green lantern in the book about you know affecting the past they should know better by now i agree it's not like they haven't had their own time travel stories exactly and so it's it's like it's a it's it's like you're reading something where they're fresh heroes as opposed to being seasoned tenured heroes that they are. And that that is probably the the, the most annoying thing for me in the pages of this book. I would have preferred that Superman and Green Lantern not be in the book. I understand yeah, why they're present. I just would have preferred them to not be in the book. There's no point in them being there. They don't well, add uh, anything to the story. Well, and it surprises me if you're gonna have them in the book, and clearly Superman and Green Lantern are in the book to increase sales um, because really that's all they're doing here. I was surprised that, you know, if you're going to have those guys in the book for that reason, why wouldn't they be on the cover? Yeah. I mean, they seem so out of character. Oh, very much out of character. Uh, anyway, I, I'm, I'm really not caring for it. And I, I was on the fence with this one. I'm like yourself. It won't be on my pull list. I'm going to look at it on the shelf and, And uh, maybe pick it up, maybe not pick it up. Uh, It breaks my heart because I love Dan Jargon so much. But, boy, I'm really not enjoying the book. But, you know, a book that uh, a lot of us were kind of curious about but only see (laughs) that one of us went to the trouble (laughs) of purchasing is Superman Batman number 75.
1: Yeah, because, uh, you know, Time Masters, even though it has Superman on the cover and says it's the search for Batman, you don't get any Batman in that book. In Superman, Batman, you get both Superman and Batman in one book. Um, so, you know, issue 75 is their big anniversary issue. It's $5. Um, so it was a four ninety-nine dollars cover price. Uh, the main feature was written by Paul Levitz with art by Jerry Ordway and features the Legion of Superheroes. I have to say the main feature didn't tickle my fancy. It, it wasn't bad. It was just okay. But the real things that shine in this book are they have a bunch of little two-page stories at the end of the book by different artists, different writers. Um, You've got guys like Billy Tucci in there, um, Steven Siegel. Uh, Adam Hughes, a whole bunch of really great stories, but a couple I really wanted to to make note of. Um, there's one written by J.T. Cruel, who's writing the upcoming uh, Teen Titans run and who we've had on the show before, with art by Francis Manapul. And um, this one, it was it was awesome. It, it's a conversation between between Tim Drake, Red Robin, and uh, Dick Grayson, Batman. And um, it's about when uh, Connor Kent died during Infinite Crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, you know, uh, in in their grief, Tim Drake and Cassie uh, Wonder Girl kissed, and you know, the last thing you know, Cassie um, and Connor Kent, Superboy, were an item before he died, and so you know, Tim is venting to to Dick, trying to get advice from Dick about it, and the last line or the last two lines are are, are fantastic. They make the whole story, you know, it's Batman. He's swinging away and he says, I can't believe you made out with Cassie. I'd never be stupid enough to kiss Selena. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought that was awesome. You know, those are the conversations that Tim, you know, you're not going to get that with a Tim Drake and a Bruce Wayne Batman. Right. But you know, it's cool to see that, you know, that Dick Grayson, Batman, um, you know, conversation happening. So that was really good. Um, Like I said, uh, the the co-features, these little two-page stories are awesome. They have one called Joker and Lex, which is by Brian Azzarello with art by Lee Bermejo. Mm -hmm. And um, it's done in Calvin and Hobbes style with Lex as Calvin and Joker as Hobbes. (laughs) And (laughs) it's great. And uh, then they have a, one written and illustrated by David Finch, which features Damian Wayne Batman with Connor Kent Superman um, in their old age, and uh, that one was pretty good too. So you know, it is a four ninety nine book, so it, it's hard to recommend it based on a bunch of two page co features. But I really enjoyed those co features, and I you know I went back and read them all again um, after I had read them. You know, because I I just really enjoy them. They're a lot of fun, and so you know, overall, I would recommend the book if if you can swallow the four ninety nine price tag.
0: You know, I flipped through it uh, at the at the store and put it back because you know it was an anthology, and you know my comic book guy goes, "Oh, you're not going to get that," and I'm like, "Yeah, I don't like anthologies," and I mean he he seemed stunned that uh, <laughs> that I that I wasn't going to pick it up, but I, I I just the short story aspect and a few of those stories just didn't look like they were drawn very well.
1: Yeah, and some of them aren't, um, you know, but the ones that are are really great. So, I mean, it, it is. It's, it's again, $5 for a double-sized book of which you'll probably only like a third of it, but I, I really enjoyed that third
2: of it. I'm one. tempted now to go out and get it, though, because I do like anthologies, and that Calvin and Hobbes thing, I saw that online just a day or two ago and had no idea that's where it came from.
1: Yeah, it was really well done. Um, so I mean, I, again, everyone. I wouldn't say everyone put their best foot forward, but there was some really good. There was some good stuff in here, and the cover's really awesome too. And I'm not normally a fan of Frank Whiteley, but I really dug the cover of the book too. Yeah, the the cover was nice. Yeah. So, completing DC's Trinity is Wonder Woman, and Tim and Wayne are still reading J. Michael Straczynski's Wonder Woman series, which uh, issue 602 came out this week.
0: Oh, Paul, I'm sorry. We decided not to talk about that one today.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. So, I'll Avengers number ride four. The balls, Aaron?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got two comics on this list, and I'll be damned if I'm not talking about the best one. We're going to do a little social experiment. Everybody who's ne- Everybody who knows who Wonder Woman is, raise their hand. Keep it up there. Okay, now if you've you've bought Wonder Woman regularly, put your arm down. All you people with your arm still up who know who this character is should be getting this book. Because I know the the camp behind, oh, she's not wearing her star-spangled and all that horse shit. Trust me, if if I told you this is a book about a hot woman kicking a lot of ass and and that sounds interesting to you, ignore ignore the name because it's just freaking awesome. It's book of the week.
2: This is my book of the week as well. It is just that good. As disappointed as I am on his run on Superman, this is incredible. And yeah, it could be said that she's out of character from the character we've seen. But that's kind of because this is more of an Elseworlds tale. The universe has changed. We see her without the jacket this week and see what that you know, that costume she's wearing actually looks like without it. And I think it looks even better without the jacket. I mean, this this issue was a... It's pure Wonder Woman. I mean, right through to her concept, she is a warrior. This this issue, she has a sword and shield, and she is fighting. You don't get more distilled Wonder Woman than this. I mean.
3: Yeah, this story had a very much Clash of the Titans feel. When she's having a conversation with a disembodied voice that you, you're led to believe is Aphrodite, and she basically flips her the bird for abandoning the Amazons. I Oh, it was, it was good. It was good. The art's awesome. I, I love the art on this book too. You know, there's not there's nothing bad to say about this. I think the only thing that's stopping people is the name. And I, you know what, I'm I'll I'll keep saying it every every month. Just ignore the name, get the book, go go on the ride. You'll enjoy it.
1: So, question from someone who's not involved in the run. You know, I know there was a short story in Wonder Woman six hundred that led into it is that necessary reading if i was interested in picking up the two issues that have uh come out
2: no it's not i mean it kind of frames what's going on here but no you could just pick up that first issue of wonder woman you know and i think it was 601 and yeah. just start from there and it gives you everything you need to know i mean the her world is different now that was that's all it was trying to show you it's you know, it's presenting the story as of 601 being the beginning
3: You know, I think it was I, I think it's a little more important than that But I, I think you could get away Without it I, I felt like it was a really good First, like, prologue Into it Yeah, But I could understand not wanting to spend five bucks For the, you know, the seven pages
1: You know, and I I, was, I am trying to save money For you guys Just Just <laughs> from my heart To you
0: <laughs> I was talking to my comic shop guy about Wonder Woman, and you know his comment was that sales on the Straczynski run of Wonder Woman are not greater than the Simone run of Wonder Woman. But he but he but he's observing that it's two different types of readers. You know that he that he had one chunk of Simone readers who are reading Wonder Woman, and now he's got a different chunk of folks reading Wonder Woman that are Straczynski readers, but they don't seem to be any crossover. And his thought was, you know, DC really should have maintained the Simone run because it, while it wasn't a bestseller, it was a, it was a good performer, and you know, run the Straczynski book as well, which is having the same effect. It's it's not a bestseller, but it's a strong performer. Um DC unlike Marvel does have a midlist on their on their books. I mean they they keep you know B level books running whereas Marvel cancels their B level books. You know they only have A level. Um I, I I it surprises me that DC has done what they've done cuz I think they alienated a lot of the Gail Simone writers uh,
2: readers. You know I think if they would have done both of them side by side, it would have taken away from the story a lot because it indicates that there's going to be no change out of the story when it comes back to the, you know, once it's over. Right. Yeah.
3: I agree. It would feel very much like Iron Man and Iron Man Legacies, I'm thinking, uh where you've got one that's kind of delving into past issues and, you know, tweaking them to to make a decent story. But in the end, you're going to be like, well, this is, you know, that's whatever sensational wonder woman three or whatever the, but we all know it's going to go back to whatever the the usual is in 610 you know i i and i think wayne's right i think at some point they're gonna they're gonna morph it back which is gonna be sad and i'm gonna drop it like it's hot but <laughs> now it's freaking yeah. awesome
2: you know if straczynski sticks on when it when it goes back to regular woman i'll give it a couple of issues and just see what he does with it it's really sad that I think that this story arc isn't going to get the readers that would love it. They said, this is my book of the week, but it's got a couple things going against it. It's Wonder Woman. And let's face it, she's not the most popular character DC has. You know, It's a drastically different take on her, which puts a lot of people off. It's a new costume, which puts even more people off. And it just seems to be – it's got the deck stacked against it. And it's such an incredible story, and it's being told so well that it's a shame. Yeah, you
3: know. I really think the one the one thing that's in front of it is is the name and the camp. I really do. If you called this Diana Diana Warrior Princess or whatever, it, it, I think it'd be selling better. Because not enough people listen to me. Damn it!
2: <laughs> well, that's the other thing going against it. Tim's enjoying it. I mean, people don't pick up <laughs> what Tim enjoys. Son of a
1: I was about to let's keep in mind that Tim does still buy Teen Titans. He just doesn't admit to it. (laughs) (laughs) I still
3: don't admit to that.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, um,
0: Avengers number four came out this week. This has been our least favorite of the Avengers titles, uh, since issue one.
1: Um, uh, two of us who promised never to read the book again, up.
0: And I think we both got suckered in by the same thing, which is the first decent John Ramita Jr. cover in over a year.
1: Yeah, it's a very pretty cover. It really is, and sadly, it is totally not indicative of the scene in the book. Yeah, jumps.
0: Well, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the artwork on the ends from from page one to the last page is terrible throughout this book. And I mean, the, the whole book is just a mess. And even I mean, it, it's it's almost like the artwork isn't in, is influencing uh, Brian Michael Bendis's writing because the writing's not very good in this book. You know, I just I, I just hate this book from beginning to end, with the exception of the cover. The big cliffhanger at the bit at the end of it, issue three was that Kill Raven and Devil Dinosaur um, appear, and you know Devil Dinosaur. Kirby creation uh, character I really enjoy uh, makes it exactly four pages into the book before he's blown up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there's there's dead devil dinosaur all over everybody. I mean, this book is just terrible.
1: Well, it's just so you know, this is Avengers one through four. You know, since. Th- issue 1 it's just been escalating stupid shit right it's like oh dinosaur popped up oh here's galactus oh there's a big war oh you know kill raven you know it's like non-stop crazy stupid nonsense and you know this is the type of book that's like one issue of superman and at the end you know it's like oh it's mr spitalik you know yeah you know and it's superman's birthday and he just you know you know, th- th- that's what this seems like. I, you know, I'm waiting for Mister Spittle to pop up at the end to go, "Hey, you know, it was just messing," because um, it's just that stupid.
0: Yeah, it, it is really a very bad, bad story.
1: You know, there, there's something to be said about kitchen sink storytelling. Uh-huh. You know, uh, it, you know, you're decompressing the story, right? Because you're still getting six issues mm-hmm. of something that, you know, I mean, let's be honest, not much happens in each issue but at the same time you're flooding it with all these stupid things it's it's just horrible and i i picked it up because because of the cover and and i was suckered in by the cover and because it's the avengers and i'm like damn it you know well and you want to like it that's the problem you yeah, know,
0: I want to like it. You want to like it. And despite how much you want to like it and how much you're willing to forgive, it's still a steaming pile of red devil dinosaur crap. I mean, it <laughs> is just an awful, awful book. I cannot stand the way Ramita is drawing these characters. I cannot stand the story we're, we're being given. Um, there's. There are pages in here that should just look awesome. The big you know, uh, double-page spread where Thor is hovering over the city and he can see Galactus and S.H.I.E.L.D. Helicarrier and Zeppelins and biplanes and dinosaurs all romping through Manhattan. You even have the traditional Baxter building in the background. You, you should have opened up that page and said, that is so cool. Instead, you open it up and you're like, wow, this is a mess.
3: Yeah, it is because it's just a bunch of squiggly lines all over the place. Yeah, Avengers Four. I wouldn't buy it with Paul's money, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't. Yeah. yeah,
0: but this whole thing is is just awful. And so I'm out. I'm not. I'm not in for five. I'm, yeah, I'm officially I officially out. By my guns. Yeah, I, I. I will go to a twelve step program to ensure that I don't buy issue five. Please do. Step one, give me your
2: account information.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How about if I just give you Paul's? Yeah, go ahead. He's got that one already. Exactly. So um,
0: I have been reading a lot of the Dark Reign books, uh, getting caught up on, on a lot of that stuff So I'm picking it up in trade. And a character that I've really not had much exposure to but am picking it up through the pages of uh, Dark Avengers and whatnot is uh, Dawkins you know the 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 son of wolverine. And so I picked up uh, issues 89 and 90 this week of the Dark Wolverine book, you know, so I got to read the uh the the fight between Dark Wolverine and Frankencastle and ooh that was a mess. And uh I did read issue 90 which came out this week, which is really kind of a prelude to his new series which I plan on picking up which is going to be uh uh, Dokken, Dark Wolverine number 1, which comes out September 8th, so just in two weeks. I, I, gotta, I, I really dig this character. Now, not much happens in, in this book, but it is really kind of a, a reflection on uh, how he's drawing power to himself and, and looking to build an empire. Um, I'm really very excited to see what's going to happen in the pages of this new book. I, I'm, I'm digging this character.
1: I you just know, want to note I, that everyone made fun of me for liking Dark Wolverine because he's bisexual and blah, blah, blah. I told you he was cool.
2: Yeah, I, I, no, I made fun of you for liking him because he's a horrible character.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, girl.
0: <laughs> yeah, Mr. Suchet. <laughs> no, I, I, I like the complexity of the character. You know, that he's kind of hard to pigeonhole. I, I, I dig it. I dig it. And I'm I'm really excited about the, the new series. The new series is uh, going to be written by Dan Way and Marjorie Liu with pencils by Giuseppe Camoncoli. I'm sure that's probably <laughs> came in Cholp or something.
1: And they were kind of the regular team on the Dark Wolverine run. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, you know, the, the, the different artists would step in from time to time. But you know, I, I really did enjoy that book when it wasn't crossing over with something. Right. Um, I found I enjoyed it more.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. They didn't do that run any favors after Siege when they crossed it over with what was it, Wolverine Origins or something? Yeah, and, and then Punisher and or Franken Castle. I, I I wasn't gonna deal with that. I, I got the first issue of the crossover with the Wolverine story, and I'm like, yeah. I'm, just gonna wait for the new series that's coming out yeah you know, I'm, that's
2: just what amazed. I'm just amazed frankencastle is still going on as horrible as that was it's reached you know issue 20 now so it's been almost 10 issues of
0: frankencastle but if you look at the cover of shadowland number three which comes out next week you get to see that regular frank castle the punisher is front and center <laughs> no. and he's normal in the uh in the,
2: mar- the Max line as well. Yeah. So it's only in this horrible Frankencastle book that they're doing this to him. They need to just stop. Yeah.
1: Yuck. Sorry. We just don't <laughs> dig it. But I did hear that Ca- that the Frankencastle storyline is ending sometime soon. so um, Which is good because otherwise Shadowland really doesn't make any sense. Well, I
0: just I just think that uh, Dark Wolverine number ninety was was really good. It really has, is a nice prelude to what I expect will be a fantastic uh, new series for Dark Wolverine. But you know what else is fantastic? There's four people that are fantastic. The Fantastic Four is what I'm talking about. Issue five eighty two came out this week. Four um, people for now. <laughs> Wayne, did you read this one?
2: Yeah, I did. What'd you think? You know. I mentioned last time that I wasn't caring for this current storyline, and it's still it just the storyline didn't do it for me, Mm -hmm. but I'm looking forward to the beginning of three, which is the next story. Yeah, there were moments in this that I enjoyed. I like the conversation between Sue and the, you know, the adult Valerie, but I tend to dislike how they do time travel in Fantastic Four most of the time. Yeah. And the alternate reality story, and I don't care about uh, Reed's father and. Yeah, this story was a great big
0: miss for me. I had a you know, hard time connecting to the story. You know, I just I found that I wasn't caring enough about it, and a lot of that's got to do with the fact that I, I just don't care for Nathaniel Richards, and I never yeah. have dislike intensely when they take characters like the Fantastic Four, who have their big origin story when they go up into space and you know get get irradiated by cosmic rays, come back down, and then they become superheroes. Um, and then they'll show, well, you know, they did have a time travel adventure adventure with, you know, them and uh, Victor Von Doom, you know, back before they became, you know, enemies of each other. You know, they were traveling in time back then. I don't like those kinds of stories. I, I, I like if we've got a definitive origin, let's just stick with the definitive origin. And I don't think that this story is further enriched By that element, by, you know, bringing, you know, Reed, Ben and uh, Victor Von Doom into that story to help Nathaniel Richards.
2: Yeah, I think it takes a lot away from it. I mean, I like the idea, which has long been thrown out because this isn't the first time they've done something like this. Of the characters having completely normal
0: lives before they got their power. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, certainly Reed Richards was a scientist before then, and certainly he was he was you know older than than the rest of the team. Well, other than Ben, he was older than than Sue and Johnny, and so you know he's ha- having a career before he gets his superpowers. But that was the beginning of their super adventures. You know, not you know that that Reed is this uh, you know time traveling you know hero. Back when he was in college, it just bugs me. But you know, I, I am curious, that, and we've said this before about about Hickman's run on the book. I'm wondering how these are going to read collected. You know, w- when you're not having the break of a month between each one of these stories, how much more are these stories? Go- how much better are these stories going to read when they're you know? Put I back think back. when you're reading these collected, though, you're going to have
2: a build on the existing story and then these two this two part story is completely off on left field yeah it has nothing to do with the stuff he's been telling so far so i think it's going to feel even more disjointed at that point because it just it's kind of an aside a two issue aside and what i find funny he doesn't seem to be able to or want to tell an action story about the Fantastic Four, you know they can't use their powers, they can't fight, they can't do any of this in this regular story. So let's give you a two issue story where there's a ton of that happening for characters other than the Fantastic Four.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I like yourself, I enjoyed the moments between Val and Sue. I thought that, that those were nicely written. I, I again, I, I have, I'm having trouble connecting to the story, and so I didn't really feel the risk. Uh, but with Val and, and uh, um, suddenly forgetting his name, uh, Franklin, Franklin, thank you. Um, I didn't really feel the risk, even though, the, you know, reality is crushing it around them. I'm just like, well, of course, they're going to get out. And of course, you know, you've got that page where they're, you know, jumping into the middle of it. and You know, you're going to see them again. And there's some future alternate versions of it. So who cares if they get out or not? I did expect them, though. There was one surprise in the book for me. Um, I was expecting them to make out at the end. <laughs> I actually had that thought so The way they're interacting
2: <laughs> yeah They're I mean, not it, interacting like brother and sister Yeah, at all. it was
0: almost like lovers And I was like, you know, a little too intimate <laughs> Did you tell I, mom that, we, that, that we're getting married? I mean, you know <laughs> I thought it was kind of creepy it, I definitely got that vibe too Yeah Yeah, so Anyway, I'm looking forward to three um, I noticed we're changing artists one more time
2: you know and i'm kind of curious what the story's going to be for 3 because we've seen a couple different previews now all with three characters but it's not the same three yeah you know thing was missing on one invisible woman was missing on one so i mean they're trying to uh to shake it up to see who the three will be but yeah i'm i'm curious about it i'm on board for it i'm hoping it's a actual fantastic four story and not so much of the the future stuff coming back to mix itself in
0: yeah so wayne uh you are my ultimate comics uh reading buddy you know you're the only other person on the on the podcast that reads anything in the ultimate universe uh you i trust that you did read ultimate comics mystery number two yep i read it and i enjoyed it i did too i do have uh a big beef with the book though i'm going to direct your attention to page four Bottom panel, second from the left. Our, our 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 hero in disguise is you know interviewing for a job at the Roxon Corporation, and the the fellow that she's interviewing says, "Well, you know, the good news is uh, for you is that it's my task to f- to feel our prospective new brain trust candidates and to have a very good feeling about you." So he he's feeling out the prospective new brain trust candidates. So he's looking for uh, brain trust candidates that have a vanishing point because the word is prospective. I, I, seriously, Marvel, uh-huh. <laughs> does anybody read their own books over at Marvel comics? <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I screamed when I read that. I mean, come on. I caught it on the first read. Can't somebody else edit their books other than me?
2: You know, I also I had a complaint about this as well. And mine is, I don't care about the, captain marvel and rick jones storyline going on in there no i don't either it's getting in the way of all this really good spider-man spider-woman conversations and everything going on with sue and the fantastic four well fantastic three in this case yeah
0: yeah you know i would say that every page that's got uh, spider-man and spider-woman on it um is gold every page with uh the surviving members of the fantastic four gold the pages with uh, uh Captain Marvel and uh, Rick Jones, not so much. I won't go as far as to say they're crap. I just think they're the weakest parts of the book.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean, just don't for, care. For me, I get excited anytime we see Spider-Man and Spider-Woman on the same page because their conversations are just incredible. It's yeah. fun. Their banter back and forth is great. I mean – The conversation about her being
0: her own person and not just a Spider Man clone anymore. Well, I love, you know, I'm reading this um, the interview scene where, you know, Spider Woman's over there interviewing for a job with Roxanne Corporation. And I'm like, Dr. Julia Carpenter, why is that name familiar? You know, and then you, as you, I realize as I'm reading on, oh, that's the other Spider Woman's alias. Yep, she's now been Dr. Julia Carter and Jessica Drew. Yeah, and I think that's hysterical. I love that you know they're kind of merging those, those personalities, you know, or at least that those, those identities in, into one person. I think that's hysterical. Um, I, I mean the, the, you are reading one, two, three, four pages. It's just a simple job interview. and I thought those were some of the best written pages I read this week you know yeah. i really enjoyed reading that it's and in, and literally it's just two people sitting across a desk talking and i know a lot of people complain about all the talking heads and and in the Bendis books but this was very entertaining you know you know
2: one other thing to mention about it was uh the nick fury disguise
0: yes also amusing
2: <laughs> the ultimate nick fury for those that didn't read it has some sort of holographic disguise or something to look like the regular Marvel Universe Nick Fury. Right. That's right. Big black guy is dressed as a white guy with a
0: patch. <laughs> it's pretty darn funny. I like it. Yeah, I, I, I really am enjoying Ultimate Comics Mystery. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where this is going. It's an awful lot of fun.
2: Now, if only the rest of the Ultimate books could be this good. I agree. I agree.
1: Well, we know a book isn't Ultimate Avengers. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not getting your fix with the Ultimate Avengers book, which or your vampire fix. Anyway, screw that transition huh. up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still reading the X Men Curse of the Mutants saga. Um I know Jonathan most of you guys didn't even give it a shot. Um and uh Wayne, hey, I think I'm still you,
2: reading it, just not oh, are you gonna
1: the science. Pens- Oh, are yeah. you are you going to pick up number three? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm
2: not reading any of the tie-ins, but I'm still reading the main story, even though I wasn't happy with the last issue.
1: Yeah, and I've, I've actually been enjoying it, um, and I enjoyed The Death of Dracula, which is what started it all off. Uh, Wayne, did you read The Death of Dracula?
2: No, when I saw it on the shelf, it was around the same time they were reprinting the Bram Stoker stuff and comic, and that's what I thought it was. And I yeah. haven't been able to get a second printing of it or find it anywhere to buy. If I can find it, I'll buy it and read it because I want to read that. But I can't seem to get a copy now. It's, I missed the boat.
1: Yeah, and it, it's a great book. Uh, just rubbing it in a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, The Death of Dracula featured Dracula's two sons, Yanis um, and Zarus. And um, he is is the younger son, I think, and he overthrows Dracula, cuts off his head, separates his head from his body, and you know, decides he wants to use his vampire his vampire nation. He you know he, he combines all the vampire nations, I think there's five or six of them. And, you know, they are they're, they're going they're assaulting San Francisco, which is what we're seeing in X Men. Um, now at the end of X Men number two, it's determined that the best way to confront Zarath is by resurrecting Dracula. Which is basically, you know, reattaching his head to his body uh, because apparently, you know, Dracula's cool like that and he'll still come back to life or on life as it were. Hey, Paul. Yes. In that Death of Dracula book, what what did they do with the Janus character? Janus is actually on the side of the X-Men and I'm actually going to get to that uh, here in a second. Okay, good. Um, Because uh, the story, like I said, at the end of X-Men number two, they need to get his head and they need to get his body. They they've been separated. They've been, you know they've been put in different places, and so I have to say, two of the three Curse the Mutants tie-ins that came out this week are essential reading. Sorry to put that on you, Wayne, um, but Storm and Gambit uh, one-shot written by Chuck Kim with art by Chris Bacalo features Storm and Gambit, obviously um, the resident thieves thieves of the X-Men. I mean they were they were thieves when they were younger. You know, trained to be thieves. Um, infiltrating a vampire stronghold to get Dracula's body Um, and not only that they are assisted by Janice who you know he 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 believes in his father's teachings. He believes that you know that vampires should stay you know out of the light. They sh- you know they should live peacefully with the humans, except to feed. That kind of thing. Um, you know he's not, he's trying to prevent the war that Zaris is causing. Uh, so he assists Storm and Gambit in their um, infiltration of the vampire stronghold. And I have to say, book of the week was Storm and Gambit one shot. Really, this book was awesome, and I'm a big fan of Chris Bachalo art to begin with. Uh, And it was this book was gorgeous. It was well written. It featured some great, you know, vampire action, you know, storming Gambit with swords fighting an army of vampires. I mean, it's just an awesome, awesome book. Um, I highly recommend it. And again, I feel like it's essential reading because I think when we get to X-Men number three, they're going to have Dracula's body and Dracula's head. Um, And the only way to know how they got them is in is in the tie-ins.
0: Well, you know, um, Janus is a Marv Wolfman created character, and we talked a lot about that in uh, our interview with Marv Wolfman. And I'll put a link in the show notes so that uh, if folks want to want to hear more about you know Dracula, which it sounds like they're drawing on some of that stuff that that Wolfman did in that in that in those stories, uh, if you if you want to you know listen to that interview, there'll be a link in the show notes.
1: Great, um, you know, and referring to Dracula's head. We have Namor, the First Mutant, number one. Can, can we just make that
0: the, the the title of the comic book, Dracula's Head?
1: Dracula's Head. <laughs> uh, Namor, the First Mutant, number one. I had no intentions of picking this book up because I don't like Namor as a character. Never have. Um, Is it because you're
0: curiously attracted to him, him wandering around in that tight little speedo?
1: A little bit. And the, you know, the feathers on his uh, feet, his ankles, the little wings.
0: You, he makes you all tingly down there.
1: Pickle's the
2: pickle. The fact that he's instantly drawn to any married or otherwise dating female
1: character to flirt with him. If th- if that's something we have in common. No, I'm just <laughs> Wait a
3: minute. Aaron, didn't you say you were going to get this book?
1: I thought about it.
0: I did not, however, pick it up. Why? Uh, I just uh, – I had enough in my hand. Okay, i was just curious. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know what I'm saying? I had enough in my hand. Uh, but no, I, I just, I didn't, I just, I decided against it. I didn't want to be the only guy talking about it. And then I see that Paul picked it up because Paul told me he wasn't picking it up.
1: I wasn't going. So was... you would
0: still be the only guy talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because what he's saying
1: is Paul has a vagina. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> so the book is written by Stuart Moore with art by Ariel Olivetti. And um, again, I was not going to pick it up um, until I read the description of the book, and this is about Namor going on the hunt for Dracula's head. Um, So we see that happen in the first issue, and we see Namor confronted with uh, a race of underwater vampires. And I have to say, not a big fan of the art. Um, Ariel Olivetti, he's done a couple of Marvel books. He did a run on Punisher, War Journal, I think. Um, he did a run on um, cable at the very beginning. Uh, it, it's it's very clean, very crisp, but almost too clean and too crisp. Uh, it, it, I'm not a big fan of it, uh, but the story I enjoyed. And again, I think it's it, it's essential reading because it involves you know getting Dracula's head. Um, you know, so, so now I you know we've got both pieces of the puzzle that I think we'll see play out in X Men number three, and I enjoyed it. Um, now, uh, again. It it didn't help me like Namor anymore. He's still the the douchebag that I've always known him to be. Um, But I might pick up – I think the Curse of the Mutants tie-ins are to the first three issues, which is kind of a shitty way to start off an ongoing series automatically ingrained in a crossover. Uh, But I think what I'll do is I'll pick up these first three issues, these tie-in issues, and and then I'll drop out. But um, I I enjoyed this first issue. And the final uh, tie-in that came out this week is a little less essential. It's the Blade one-shot – um, written by Dwayne Swierzynski um, with art by Tim Green. And this basically just explains how Blade gets involved in the Carson the Mutants uh, crossover. Um, you know, he's tracking vampires across the country. He does battle with Zaros's soldiers um, before finding out that Zaros is heading to San Francisco to do, um, to basically convert mutants to vampires. That way he has superpowered mutants or superpowered vampires. Um so, you know, it's not a bad story, and the art is actually pretty, pretty cool. Um, however, it, it's just not as good as the other two tie-ins, and it's a little less essential to the storyline. So if, if you're interested in picking up – if you can only pick up one, definitely pick up Storming Gambit. Um, but if you, if you want to pick up a couple of them, I would recommend that one and Namor, uh, but not necessarily Blade. It's just not that important. But I am enjoying Curse of the Mutants more than I expected to, way more than I expected to. And everyone is just—I think everyone's quiet because they ran out, ran out to go buy it right now. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> Sorry, bob uh, Yeah. Well, you know, I, I needed the extra money to purchase these titles, so I didn't pick up Invincible. And I talked last um, episode—or not last episode, but last time we talked about Invincible—I said, you know, I just it's the book is just too uneven for me, so I decided not to pick up not to pick it up anymore, but Wayne picked up invincible number seventy four this week,
2: yeah, unlike paul it book has not been uneven for me at all. Last issue was the first issue that I've ever been disappointed with the title, you know through the entire run of seventy four issues now, I was only disappointed by one issue ever, so this you know this week I've got it afraid it would be another one of those these characters aren't actually involved in the war type issues and that wasn't the case at all I mean this is what the war should have been like I mean the last storyline where they were on a planet and not in the middle of this war at all that took away from what, what it could have been and maybe it was a pacing thing because they want to get to the big 75th issue but no this is all out war again you know Viltrmite fighting Viltrmite, fighting other races a blue alien having sex with a human. This was just this was good again. So I mean, I guess one issue out of seventy-four issues as a disappointment is a pretty solid run for me. I mean, I don't See, think I've I ever can't had a book. Say I've, that. I don't think I've ever had a book I've consistently loved as much as I do Invincible. That has only had that one miss.
1: See, I can't agree. I've I've had full runs of Invincible that I just didn't care for. You know, full storylines, and so I mean, I. I I I know there are people who love it. You're obviously one of them. Um, I think I'll just end up picking it up in trade from now on. That's how I started reading Invincible anyway in trades. Um, I I, I don't think there's enough there on a monthly basis for me to pick it up monthly, at least me.
2: See, I didn't – and that's the thing is I didn't start off with trades. I started off when they did the number zero issue for like 99 cents. I picked that up, read that, and just was so blown away with that one. That I started buying the individual issues, and I picked up the trades to get caught up to speed. So I've pretty much always been issue by issue reading it, except for I did read the the first 20 in trade.
1: Mm, no, no. Not convinced. Sorry.
2: <laughs> That's fine. You're wrong sometimes. You are still buying Avengers, so. <laughs>
1: uh, not anymore, though. <laughs> How many issues of Batgirl did you buy? Huh?
0: Huh? <laughs> yeah, talk to us about the spoiler, Wayne.
1: Yeah, I plead the fifth. <laughs> that's gonna come up. You know, that's gonna be like that one time you screwed up with your wife. It's gonna come up in every <laughs> conversation. <laughs>
2: hey, no, but I no. learned my lesson and I dropped it. So, yeah,
3: everybody has one of those World War Hulk Zero, Paul. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Some of us chose to not read Grant Morrison anymore, Paul.
1: Paul, uh, Yeah, Paul, what the hell? Yeah, well, I, what does Aaron I that by, sucks?
2: I believe by one indiscretion <laughs> to be excused because it's not Grant Morrison.
0: Yeah, Paul. Whatever. It's it's uh, <laughs> one indiscretion. One Mine, that, heard <laughs> that you do over and over and over again. <laughs> you need help, Paul.
3: I do. I well, Aaron's in the Ultimate Universe still, Paul, so you can hold that over his hey, head. I'll so, stand
0: by my same. Ultimate Comics mystery. Same that, here. That yeah, shit well, is can... tight. Tight, yeah. I say. Tight. Mm. So uh, next week, there's only one DC book I'm buying. And that is uh, the Elseworlds book that I'm enjoying so much, Superman, Last Family of Krypton. But there is nothing else from DC that's coming out next week that's worth a damn, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I'm Red, Hood Red Hood Four. Yeah. yeah, Red Hood Four. That's the only DC book I'm picking up. Honestly, looking at next week, you know, I was looking at my list to see what's coming out. Every non Marvel and DC book that I pick up comes out next week. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, we've got. Uh, I'm still picking up Buffy, Magdalena, The Boys, Incorruptible, Benny um, and Veronica, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Smith's Green Hornet, as well as a Kevin Smith Green Hornet Annual. So it's like every book that. Is a non Marvel or DC just about is coming out? For Marvel and DC, I've got very little. I mean, DC, I just have Red Hood.
0: The third issue of Gorilla Man comes out next week. Uh, Hercules: Twilight of a God number four comes out. Um, Incredible Hulk's six twelve comes out next week, and I'm gonna flip through it. It's not going on my pull, but I know uh, you know uh, Wayne and I'm sorry uh, Tim and, and Paul are interested in that one.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely picking that one up. That's the first start. That's the start of the Incredible Hulk's, you know, the Dark Sun storyline. So, I'm definitely picking that one up. Um, yeah, I only Test- have Red Hood from DC.
2: From Marvel, Taskmaster number one comes out next week. I'm looking forward to
0: that. Ooh, Van Lente is uh, writing that one. I am. Uh, I am down for that one.
1: Yeah, and Thor for Asgard comes out next week too, which is the Simone Bianchi. Ah, uh, uh, I'm. Thor. I'm, I'm- you know, it, it's kind of interesting to me. We've got three
0: Thor titles out there right now, and we didn't talk about uh, this this week's issue of Thor, but we'll talk about it next week. But you know, it seems like all the good stuff's happening outside of the Thor main title. So that's 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 strange to me.
1: Yeah, same here. You know, and I am looking forward to you know I'm looking forward to Thor for Asgard way more than I'm looking forward to the next issue of the ongoing Thor or even the Matt Fraction start of the ongoing Thor.
3: Well, I'll uh, say this. It's hard to be awesome when your house is, you know, exploded around you. Like, what happened? <laughs> <before>. <laughs> yeah, true, true. So, is, uh, is, anyone picking up
2: three? is anyone picking up I Am an Avenger? No. No. I, mean, I think Avengers at this point have burned me enough that I, I'll flip through it, but I don't think I'm going to give the book a chance because so many bad Avengers titles are coming out right now. Why do we need another miniseries of, you know, for the Avengers?
0: Yeah, it just doesn't look good, (laughs) you know. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm sorry. I I want to love these Avengers books, but you know, no thank you. And I mean, this looks like an anthology book. Um, you know, you've got you've got a ton of guys working on it. I'm I can't say, and none of these guys I really know. Yeah. Amazingly
2: enough, there's also a Marvel Universe versus The Punisher coming out again. This yeah. has got to be a bi-weekly title.
1: That's fine with me. Uh, I'm happy that, you know, if, if it means we get issue four before the end of September, I'm happy with that.
3: You know, as we're talking about this, I'm I'm getting poorer and poorer. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: okay. I thought you were going to just use uh, Paul's account next week.
3: Yeah, there you go. He's uh, probably going to th- freeze it by then. Yeah, it's, it's already frozen, my friend. Stupid Paul.
2: <laughs> so I'm going to make a recommendation to you guys for a book I didn't talk about on the podcast, but there's a second printing of next week. And the title is Morning Glories, which is a incredibly stupid title. I picked this thing up because the cover looked interesting. I flipped through it. The art looked interesting. It is a really interesting story. It's uh, The basic concept was there's a school where they're bringing – bringing children to kind of brainwash them or it's hard to tell what they're doing at this point. Cause it was still the first issue, but it's one of those things where nothing is quite as it seems like if their parents don't go along with it, they'll just take the parents and torture them. So see, very, very interesting title.
3: See Jonathan, just, just the voice of Jonathan's coming out of my mouth right now. So a school where kids go and they get brainwashed and tortured is that Catholic school? <laughs>
0: they are wearing uniforms.
3: God, uh, thank you for for,
0: for representing uh, Jonathan today, Tim.
3: Gotta watch out for my boy, man. You know what I'm saying.
2: Now, since the second printing's coming out next week, I'd say guys, flip through it, see if it looks interesting to you. I I was kind of blown away by the title. It was one of those things where I was looking for something different, so I just grabbed it. But I grabbed it a week after it had come out, so I didn't didn't bring it up on here because it was late.
0: Well, anything else for us, boys? No. Mm. We'll talk to everybody next week. Sounds good. Ariba Y'all have a good one. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit MarcandrewPope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideology of madness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.